You are listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. Our goal is to help you follow what Jesus taught in Matthew 6:33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, here's our host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, John Bouchabel, who is the president and founder of Witness as Ministry in South Lake, Texas. Witness as Ministry is a nonprofit organization that helps refugees who are victims of war in Lebanon. Thank you so much, John, for being on Faith City Outreach to share about the ministry that the Lord has given you. Thank you. It's a privilege to be with you, Mrs. Marina. Thank you. It's a privilege for you to be on this show, on God's radio program. And I was so amazed when I was reading your bio. Uh, It says you have a long-serving Um, You have been a long-serving executive in humanitarian organizations and a leader in in the pursuit of peace and reconciliation in the Middle East. You were also awarded an honorary doctorate degree in human in humane letters in 1998 by Warner Pacific College for your humanitarian work in Lebanon and the Middle East. What a privilege that is. Well, Glory to God. Absolutely. And before we even talk about witness as ministry, John, I would really like for you to share your salvation story because you shared it one time and I was listening. I said, well, now I know I can see the connection and the passion and how and why the Lord chose you to work with refugees today who are victims of war in Lebanon. Can you share your salvation story, please? Absolutely. It was the summer of 1973. I was about to take a trip to uh, Europe. At that time, I was still working with Intercontinental Hotels Corporation as an executive in Lebanon. And all of a sudden, we received Uh, I mean, we heard the doorbell rings and we opened the door to see two men standing in front of our door that we had never met before. They turned out to be the pastor of the evangelical church where we were living in the countryside and the young man was him. So in our culture, we don't ask people, what do you want and why are you coming? We open the door, we invite them in, we offer them the coffee or tea. And then after a short visit, to get to know who they are, they introduce themselves and they tell us the purpose of why they are visiting with us. So the pastor of that church says, I'm the pastor and with me, I have uh, my brother who is going to be the speaker during revival meetings this week and we would like to invite you to come to the church. Well, I respected their request and I went to church that evening The meeting was from, it started at seven o'clock. I was a few minutes late, but as I was coming up the steps to go into the sanctuary, uh, I heard the singing going, the praising going. And already at that time, the Holy Spirit started to move in my heart. These were uh, praises that I had never heard them before. Anyway, I went in, I sat in the last pew in in the sanctuary, 
it was packed already. It was the first day of the revival meeting. And uh, after the praises and the prayers, the speaker stood and started to uh, introduce his subject. And uh, his uh, text uh, was from Galatians 2.20, which says, with Christ, I'm crucified. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Well, I had never heard that verse before because I never read the Bible, although I grew up in one of the Christian denominations in Lebanon. And for your information, we have a total of 13 different Christian denominations between Catholics and Orthodox and the evangelicals with all its components. It was under one, one uh, denomination. Anyway, uh, at the end, when uh, the meeting, about the meeting, I mean, the speaker was about to wrap his uh, sermon. He, he addressed the present and he said, do you consider yourself Christian and you will be going to heaven if you are, if it's written on your identity card, a Catholic or Orthodox and the denomination of which you are, this will not be honored. What you need is the salvation act of Christ on the cross. And this is the time. You can do it now. You can forgive me. I'm a sinner. So what happened then? I And he said, give me a sign so I can pray for you. You can stand up or you can lift your hand. I didn't do any of those. All what I did is I have put my head down and I said, Lord, I need you. I forget. I, I submit to you. I ask your forgiveness for my sins and help me to be a new creation. I was at that time 30 years old, but my life, my real life started when I made that confession to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it has been a great opportunity since then. And I have been growing since 1973 up to this day. I have been growing every day because I made the commitment. I said, Lord, from this day on, I endorse my life for you. Use me for your glory. And that's how I came to know the Lord. And the Lord had been my portion. He had been with me. He had saved me from many dangers as we have undergone years of wars in Lebanon. And we still continue to go through it. Thank you. You mentioned in your past, too, that you, you were an orphan. Yes. Okay. Uh, I lost both my parents when I was young. When, and how young my, were you when you lost okay, them? I was eight years old when my dad passed. And then I was 14 when my mom died. When my mom died. But at the, after my father passed away, uh, we were six siblings, including myself. And my mom had a very poor health. She couldn't take care of me. She couldn't take care of any of my siblings. So we were placed in different orphanages, five of us, because our youngest, the last, the last brothers of ours, he was less than a year old. And we couldn't, I mean, they couldn't give him to an orphanage to care for him. So during that time, you know, I have always had the problem. Why, why, Lord? Why, why do I have to lose my childhood? Why I don't live as, a, as an ordinary uh, as an ordinary young person growing in life. And uh, orphanages in the early 50s were nothing, mainly a shelter, some food, 
and little education, very little education. But when I left the orphanage at the age of 14 and I started to work, I think the Lord started to work in my life and prepare me, although I didn't have that personal relationship with him, but God had preparing me all the way. So I worked in a hotel with a, with a, with a small job, I mean, with a, as a dishwasher. It was a slavery in the full sense from, nine from six o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock in the evening. And, you know, I always had pity on myself. Why do I have to do this? Because I had no place to go, but that hotel offered me shelter, offered me food, they offered me laundry and uh, a, a very meager salary, probably the equivalent of $2 per month. But at least I had something. I, at least I had the shelter. I was getting what I need. Then I realized if I need to make it in life, I cannot continue in this kind of job doing washing dishes. So I moved from the countryside hotel where I was to a hotel in, in Beirut, the city, the capital of Lebanon. And I, I joined the, the team in the dining room as a busboy. And again there, what happened to me is one customer was trying to attract attention. He needed something that was coming in from the kitchen. And I saw him, he saw me, he, 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 he showed his hand, he said, he showed his hand, come and see me. So I went to see him and he said, I want some cheese. I didn't know what cheese was. I know the word I want, but not cheese. So I went and spoke with the waiter I was helping. I said, this gentleman had asked me for cheese and I don't know what that is. He looked and he saw that he was having some spaghetti. He said, take for him the grated cheese. So again, that was an eye opener for me that I need to get some education. How did you get educated? Uh, first of all, uh, there was a YMCA center very close to the hotel. And I was doing two shifts. I would come from 11 and I would stay till nine o'clock in the evening. But between three and six, I was free. So I joined that YMCA center and I started with English. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was basic English, communication English. Mm -hmm which had helped me a bit. And then one day I was asked to attend to a, a meeting for Lufthansa Airlines. And they told me, you stay in the room. And if they tell you they need something, you get it for them. If they need water, if they need tea, whatever you go and get it for them. And they were speaking in German all the way. And I was like a dumb, not understanding what was going on there. I asked at the center, at the YMCA center, if they, if they have lessons in German. And they said, yes, we have a, a missionary volunteer who is helping us from Germany and she gives the private tutoring. I said, praise God, <laughs> I joined. <laughs> and this is when I started uh, you know, my German. And honestly, these two languages, plus the French that I had, the basic French that I had, had helped me a lot in my career in the hotel because in the 60s, 70s, early 70s, the tourism business in Lebanon was at its best. And we were having tourists from Europe and we had Germans who were not able to speak English. 
So mm -hmm. I was the one who would interpret. However, the Lord has been good to me and came a time after I worked out my way from being a busboy to the food and beverage director of that 300 bedroom hotel at the time. Actually, they have added six, I have, they have added another 300 and, and a total of 600 bedroom hotels. I became the food and beverage director in charge of banquets, as well as all meetings that takes place in the hotel. When I was there, I also realized that I need to improve my English. So I went to the American University of Beirut and I joined a class for six months to improve my English. And that's how I did my education. This is how I acquired my education, not growing as a young man and then going to college and then get my degree and then go. No, it was while on the job, I was working and the Lord has been gracious to me. So the Lord is good. The Lord is good. I think that's enough for the education, but maybe I can say something more. How did I come into the ministry? I'll wait until your questions. Yes, and what an honor because the Lord has given you an honorary doctorate degree in mm -hmm. humane letters in 1998 by mm -hmm. Warner Pacific College yes. for your humanitarian work in Lebanon and the Middle East. So that is yes. so quite interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. John, I also wanted to know, I know you said you and your siblings were separated mm -hmm. uh, when you were little and you were separated mm -hmm. in different uh, orphanages. Did you ever meet up again later in yes. life? Yes, ma'am, yes. You know, when I, when I left the orphanage at the age of 14, it was mandatory for orphans or who is supporting the orphans to get few things for the orphanages where they were. For example, if they need a mattress, it was the parents who needed to provide it. If they needed clothing, it was, you know, their dependents who were to uh, provide it. And that was where I started to help my siblings. And we remained in contact. Yeah, it, I mean, we were separated for a while, but as, as we were growing and, you know, started to work, we regrouped and we got together. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. You also mentioned that there were Christian, you had, a, there was a Christians, many Christians in Lebanon. Is mm -hmm. this still the case today? Is there still a large Christian population in Lebanon? Okay. Well, let me tell you, like in the 60s, the number of Christians in Lebanon were in the range of 65 to 70%. Wow. Unfortunately, unfortunately, today, they are less than 30%. And simply because, you know, Muslim people multiply in big number. Any man is allowed to have four women and many children, while Christians not seeing a, a future in the country, they started to emigrate. And there are more Lebanese abroad than what we have in the country. Almost three or four times more abroad than what's in the country. So unfortunately, because there is no future, there is no hope for Christians there. And not everybody is called to carry the cross and stay mm -hmm. and be a, a faithful follower of Christ. However, 
in spite of all what's happening today, and we may be talking later about what's happening in the country, the church is vibrant. The church is really carrying the cross and reaching out. And we have so many people coming to know the Lord. Praise God for that. Praise God. Yes. You mentioned that Christians are leaving or have left Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Where do they go? Where anywhere do they tend they to go. move to? Yeah, and anywhere they can go to, you know. Canada. So there's not a, a, a specific country no. that they move no. to? No. Okay. Well, I can tell you, I can name you a few countries where the Christians are majorities. Okay. Brazil, we have over 8 million Christian from Christian descendants in Brazil only. You have in Australia, you have in Canada, you have in the USA, in Europe, throughout Europe, in every country in Europe, there are uh, Lebanese Christians. So, they, they, you know, unfortunately, up to this day, they don't see hope for Lebanon to survive. And I know now we have lost in Lebanon the medical corps. Many people from the medical corps are leaving. All the educated are leaving. So I don't know what the future holds, except we are trusting the Lord for better days for Lebanon. Please share about your ministry. Witness as Ministry, which is a nonprofit organization that helps refugees who are victims of war in Lebanon. We know that they help or you, you help them in many different ways. When I was looking at your website, um, I read that you help the hunger, you help mothers, mm. you empower women, you mm. uh, also keep the families warm. You strengthen families, you help with clothing, you sponsor education, you provide trauma training, mm -hmm. you bring healing, uh, you sponsor camps, you care for toddlers, and you keep the families healthy. One of those areas was really interesting to me because I've never read this before, and that is providing trauma training. Can you share a little bit about the trauma training for the refugees? Let, let me start by saying how we started our ministry, if you don't mind. Sure. When, I retired, when I retired from World Vision International as an executive, as an international executive, I, you know, I'm still healthy. I'm still well. And uh, the war had started in Syria. And uh, I was talking to some, some friends and telling them, that's what I desire to do. I'd like to help the refugees. And, you know, well, everybody said, okay, that's, that's very good, but do you have the resources for it? You know, starting an NGO, you need resources. Mm -hmm. And my response is, I have some, I have put some funds on the side. I don't need it. I can start with that. And I don't care if I get it back or not. I mean, people encourage me. So we started to see what else can we do? The relief work will not give them abundant life. We need to do something more. And you have named the different kinds of ministries that we have started. And the trauma counseling was almost among the last thing that we started. We have connected with a university in Virginia, USA, to provide us the expertise. And there was a doctor who volunteered and he would bring his team with him. And we would invite 
people, we would invite actually church leaders, mainly church leaders, and those who are working with the refugees to follow a course for them. And we did this. Every course was for four days, four full days. And we have done this several times. And every time we had new people. And that had proven to be the most helpful. Now, how long does it take for somebody to be de-traumatized? It depends on what they have seen. Some takes longer than others. At this time, we are mainly focusing on relief work. I mean, there are other things, but the main support now is because Lebanon is going through some challenging time, is how we can provide food, how we can provide the hygiene kits, how we can provide medicines. And I'm so grateful that we are part of that. I'd like to share a, a testimony of a person, of a mother, uh, that when I was visiting, uh, you know, she made me cry. And she said, she knew that my name is John and she called me Brother John. Uh, and she said, we came here, nobody, nobody even gave us a tissue to wipe our tears. And here, the church that is supporting us, and we work through churches. We don't have our, our team simply because we don't want to spend time and money on our infrastructure. We work with already the church that is serving, and we serve 16 churches in Lebanon. And we are so grateful that we are standing with the church. So this lady says, here we come, nobody even come and say, hello, how are you? Or even check on us, but your people, they came to see us. They adopted our children to come to their centers to get some education. You have provided us with clothing for our children, shoes, you have provided food parcels for us. So I'm so grateful. And this lady said, I am grateful that I am now a follower of Christ because of what I was taught. And I want my children to be also following Christ. And these are from non-Christian background. I don't want to go into specifics here. But the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work and we are so grateful. In the past, we used to pray for Lebanon. Oh, by the way, I need to mention this. Lebanon is the only free podium for Christ throughout the Middle East countries. And we will continue to pray that this would remain. We have the satellite stations that serve the region. We have the radio stations. We have even correspondence courses that goes to in the region. We used to pray, Lord, give us opportunities to reach out to the people. And look, all of a sudden, we have over 1.5 million, those only one nationality refugees who are in the country. Lebanon has received Palestinians since 19, 1948, and they are still in the country. We have received Iraqi refugees during the Iraq war. And now we have Syrian refugees. And almost the number of refugees in the country of Lebanon now equals the number of the Lebanese people. Probably a little less, but there is almost 3 million refugees in the country. Well, 
and the and Lebanon is has a warm heart you know for people who are in need and that's how I have been also drawn into it I have seen it you know when I was still with an international NGO as an international executive before I started our ministry I have visited 70 countries and mainly to see the projects that we were supporting and feel and have a test of what the people are going through. And that had taught me a lot. So you said that Lebanon is the only country in the Middle East that is allowing Christians to preach. Yes, ma'am. Why is Lebanon the only country in the Middle East allowing Christians to preach? That's great. That's fantastic. And that I never knew that. But how is that made possible? We know it's through God, but is it because also through the many Christians that still reside, the 30% that still reside there? Well, uh, the answer is this. Our constitution allows this. It's not like an Islamic nation. Lebanon is not an Islamic nation. Lebanon is a, is a country where coexistence between Christians and Muslims from the different denominations to live in harmony. And we still have that freedom. And that's my heart desire and prayer that this freedom will remain because mm. it's, it's, it's the lighthouse, in fact, the way I see it, it's the lighthouse going into the Middle East. That's interesting to know. What else can you tell us about Lebanon other than it is the only country in the Middle East that is allowing Christians to preach and that it is not an Islamic country? Well, uh, let me just say, like in the mid or early 60s, Lebanon was rated to be among the four prosperous countries in the world, uh, mainly in Europe, but not to, not to go beyond that. And it was very successful. It was very prosperous. Uh, the freedom, you know, was sought, you know, any... Any political refugee who was persecuted in his country, he would flee to Lebanon and they will find a refuge there. In another word, Lebanon had been, I'd like to use a, a biblical term here, the city of refuge, where wow. people have sought refuge when they needed it. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of the freedom and because Lebanon is not, it has the freedom. Like we can do uh, revival meetings, we can uh, meet in parks, we can wow. do anything, Christians. Uh, we can be in a, in a major stadium. You know, came a time when the late Dr. Billy Graham came to Lebanon and in the sports city that can hold over 3,000 people, he had his meeting there. So... That's really what Lebanon is, and we pray that it will remain. Of course, now there are lots of persecution, mm -hmm. but the church, as I mentioned before, is standing for Christ. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. John, why does America know very little about refugees <laughs> from Lebanon? Uh, I'm not a judge to tell you why, but... Uh, I have been in the U.S. for the last 22 years. And 
prior in my job when I was working and I was the director for resource development for that major international NGO, my duty was to meet with donors and I would advocate the needs and mainly for the Middle East. And I, the answer, the question that I would get from time to time, are there Christians in Lebanon? Mm-hmm. I said, friends, where did it all start? You tell me. You read the Bible and you know that Jesus came to Lebanon and the disciples came to Lebanon and the ministry, the Christian ministry started from, we know where it started, started through the apostles. The Lord appeared to Paul in Damascus and Mm -hmm. Paul became a committed Christian and he carried the gospel all the way to Europe. Mm -hmm. And, And this is how it all started. And I I don't know, maybe my grand-grandfather was among those who were there on the Pentecost. Because when we read in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit during Pentecost, it says among those languages that were spoken, there were Arabs. So... I, I don't know, maybe their horizons is not as big to encompass. And even when I speak to, to church leaders today, or when I used to speak to church leaders, they would say, well, we have commitments. We have missionaries that we're supporting. We cannot probably help you. And my answer, I say, I'm not telling you to discontinue what you are doing. Mm-hmm. Please press on. But if you can do a little more to help our brethren, as Jesus says, cry with those who are crying, give food for those who are hungry. If you can do it, I'm grateful. If you cannot do it, I understand and the Lord will provide. That was my response to them when they asked, are there Christians in Lebanon? Are there Christians in in Syria? Of course there are. Throughout the Arab world, there are Christians. In Palestine, in Israel, In Egypt, when I see that the Christians meeting in certain countries, praising the Lord, you won't believe your eyes. I can send you videos later. And you won't believe your eyes that there are people who are on fire for the Lord in in the Arab world. We rarely know about the struggles and the traumas that uh, refugees of war go through in Lebanon. What are some of those struggles and and traumas? Well, as I have mentioned is, first of all, they have lost hope. They don't see hope. They have seen relatives massacred. They have seen their homes destroyed. They have seen their nation is not caring for them. There are lots of traumatic things. And they come to a country where they have nothing, absolutely nothing, dependent on charities. And, and this is, I believe, it's our chance. Is it the chance of the church? And in fact, the Holy Spirit is empowering the church regardless of the limitations that the churches in Lebanon has. The churches in Lebanon are not major mega churches as we have here in the USA. And mostly the people are daily wage workers. Now, at this time, for the last year, The churches are going through lots of deficiency to meet their needs because people are not working. They're not receiving the tithes. They're not receiving offerings as in good days. 
and yet the church had been there and it will continue to be there. And that's how I see it. It will continue. And nothing is going to stand against the gates, against the church. And even the gates of Hades will not stand against it because the Holy Spirit is in this church. He's leading, he's guiding, he's protecting and the power of the Lord Jesus in its midst. Amen. John, I know you recently visited Lebanon to connect with your partners there and to assess the needs. Can you share about your trip? Well, uh, I tell you, it was emotionally draining, also physically. In what ways? Uh, I'll tell you. As I went around visiting with them and to listen to what they are going through, you cannot but cry, not only just identify. You, you cry when you hear people. I was in this church that has members of non-Christian backgrounds, all of them. And during my visit, we have taken food parcels for them. We have taken hygiene kits for them. And uh, the pastor announced that I will be with them and they could come and get their, you know, gifts. And everyone who received his gift, you won't believe the testimony I have heard. It made me cry. They are a big challenge for Christians. These are non-Christians coming to know Christ. And for them, Christ is everything they want. They don't want anything else. So I was very encouraged, wow. but to listen to their plight, that was very emotional. and. Plus, you know, I was there for a short visit, 10 days only. And with the jet lag, I was only sleeping three hours every day. Every 24 hours, I was sleeping three hours. Physically, I was drained. Emotionally, I was drained. But the Lord sustained me and he helped me to do and accomplish all the goals that I had set for that trip. Next month, my son is going. We usually don't go the same months. My son is the CEO of our nonprofit. I'm grateful to him that he left his job to work with me. And I'm so grateful to him. He's going next month. And every other month, one of us go. So we can remain close and getting the fresh information firsthand rather than reading what the news says, where sometimes the news doesn't convey all the truth. That, that's my trip. I always look forward, you know. Since I came to the U.S., every three months I go. For the last 22 years, every three months before with my work, it, because the, the region, the whole Middle East region was still my responsibility. And now when I started our nonprofit, that's where my ministry is, that region. Wow. And I was looking at your website, too, and I know that it says you have the, a Beirut emergency response. You have mm. urgent needs that require uh, some support. Mm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Please. Last year in August, on August 4, 2020, we had a major explosion at the port of Beirut where the silo that had all the grains have been destroyed. And not only that, it was a major explosion where unfortunately some ammunition to form or to make missiles were stored at the port 
which is not acceptable by any standard. It had destroyed over 3,000 homes. Over 2,000 people were killed. And over 30,000 people became displaced because their home were destroyed. Well, what do you do when you see something like this? And we are not a major NGO to help in big way, but we couldn't close our hearts and emotions by not helping. We started to visit and repair homes which were not seriously damaged and to fix windows, put window frames, uh, fix doors so they can at least have a shelter. And that's how we started. And in addition to this, today we distribute 500 food parcels every month. Plus, we have several dispensaries that we work with and we provide medicines for them. And not to talk about the hygiene kits, which is badly needed. So we want to press on and we want to do even the little thing. And, you know, my, my motivation, my goal is if I offer a glass of water in the name of Christ, I will be rewarded for that. And that's what I tell my donors. Give us a glass of water so we can share it with people. You know, we are committed, 100% committed, and that's what we are doing. And why? Why do I do that? Why am I committed? Because I grew up as an orphan. I was deprived. I had nothing in life. I didn't inherit a pair of socks from my parents. I had nothing. And now to see people suffering, it brings memory from my youth. And I don't want these kids to be walking in the snow without shoes. Lebanon has moderate seasons and winter is very severe in the countryside and the mountains. The whole tent, the whole camp is covered with snow. It gets very cold and they live in tents, in tents. It's not in a house that had AC or had a, a heating system. You just step up the thermostat and it, no. And they don't have, they live in a tent. Everything is in that tent. The kitchen is, is in that tent. The bedroom is in that tent. You know, they put the mattresses at night in the same place where they were playing. They sleep on it in the, phone, in the morning. They, they stock it one over the other. Toilet, they have to go out to a public toilet. Water, they have to go out and get their water. It's, it's not easy. You know, I mean, if people don't see it, they would never identify with the, with the pain that people go through. So what other community resources are there, John, that help uh, refugees mm. who are victims of war in Lebanon, other than witnesses Christ, oh, yes. or excuse me, witness as ministry, your, or your nonprofit organization and the church? What other means of support does the country give to its own people? Well, let me just say that we are not alone. There are other organizations helping. I know there are many other NGOs that are helping, but the need is so great. They're not able to do all the need is. And I think every organization is doing a little thing. So because it's both. Need, so it's the combination of both Christian and non-Christian organizations yes, that are helping. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And, and that, you know, also I wanted to say that for the refugees, 
who are from Syria and who are registered for with the United Nations, you, they get some support from the United Nations, but they don't get any spiritual value in what they get. And this is where our role is. We want to impact people with eternal values, not only help me to get some food and help me uh, to relocate to another nation. That's what the UN does. But uh, so grateful to the Lord for what we are doing. You know, God is using us. We are unworthy, but the Lord had granted us this privilege. And it's so rewarding, you know, after serving the rich in my career, you know, I was a regional director for food and beverage operations in Saudi Arabia for three, the most profit-making hotels. And we did all the royalties. When the queen of England came on a, on a visit to Saudi, my, my responsibility was to cater for their royal banquets. All the royalties, we were the only intercontinental hotel at that time who were able to cater for major banquets for the royal families. And the Lord, out of that great position, out of that great position, said, leave your job, go and serve me in Lebanon. I said, Lord, <laughs> Lord, the war is ongoing in Lebanon. There are no hotels of the caliber I serve in Lebanon. I have my wife, my two kids. And the Lord kept saying, I will never leave you nor forsake. Mm -hmm. Go and I will assume responsibility for you. I want to say here a little thing. I obeyed God, stepped out by faith. And in my culture, we don't go promoting, I'm going to serve the Lord, help me. That's my budget. I need this. I need that. I have two kids. I have a wife. I have a home to pay for, etc. We don't. If God called me, I would obey him because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And for four years, I did not work, but I invested these four years in going to the seminary. I have improved my, my Christian education. And then God gave me that job with World Vision in Lebanon. And that gave me access to all the different Christian denominations. And wow. the Lord had used me to be an encourager for most senior church leaders in my journey. And all of them said, you are lucky. I said, you can also be lucky as I am lucky because Jesus is my Lord and my savior. And you leaders need to teach your people about Jesus as savior. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the testimonies and the witnessing that God has given me over the years and continues to give it to me because I still meet with those top senior leaders as well. Amazing. John, have you ever felt so overwhelmed in your ministry, especially during your recent trip to Lebanon and seeing the struggles and the traumas that the refugees go through? Have you ever felt so overwhelmed and you've just went to God and just cried out and just said, I just can't do this anymore. This is just too much. Is this too emotionally draining, physically draining too? Yes. Well, I agree with you. I did cry a lot before the Lord, but I never told him I would like to retreat. 
said, not, Lord, that, not that I'm encouraging you to, <laughs> but you know, sometimes as human beings, you know, yes. we, we get weak and we're just yes. like, this is too much. Well, you know, I'm almost in one year, I will be 80 years old. And everybody say, why are you still running? Why are you still killing yourself doing all of this? I said, as long as God grants me health, I'm committed. And Amen. in my culture, I wouldn't retire until I go to my eternal home. That's, that's me. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that God is encouraging me because, you know, always after the time when I'm depressed, empowerment come, encouragements come, and we press on. That's right. What is God putting in your heart in these days or in your times of Bible study time or prayer time? Well, I draw lots of encouragement from the word of God. And I draw lots of encouragement from the church that I worship at here. They pray with me. You know, every time I'm going on a trip, they gather around me, they put their hands and they pray. Hmm. And I go, you know, with all zeal and and then on the trip to Lebanon, it's not a short trip. It takes me 24 hours to get to destination. From wow. point A to get to point B, between travel, between getting to the airport early, between, you know, the, uh, the wait between two flights, 24 hours. And I, I'm not able to sleep on the flights. I'm not able to get sufficient rest but God restores me I get all my strengths from him he is my source of support and strength so I'm so grateful um I will press on and I'm not discouraged I'm not discouraged at all and I'm I'm so grateful because we have also a good group of prayer warriors donors Mm. who believe in what we are doing Amen. And That's uh, they have stayed faithful all the years. We don't get major gifts in millions. I wish we have applied to the U.S. government, uh, USAID, uh, to uh, get a grant. We didn't get lucky <laughs> because I know uh, some countries, they don't want Christian uh, witness to be part of their ministry. And that's the goal of my ministry. If they don't give me, the Lord will provide. Amen. I press on. I press on. Exactly. John, where do you stay when you go to Lebanon? Do you stay (laughs) at your one of your relatives' houses or (laughs) where do you stay? I I don't stay in hotels, number one. I stay either at, you know, there are convents that they have guest house where it costs me $25 per night with breakfast. Well, if I need to go to a hotel, I need to pay. So like breakfast in bed almost. Yes, bed and breakfast. <laughs> but uh, recently I've been staying at, uh, we have a, uh, a pastor's house in our church, but the pastor lives in his own home. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have uh, invited me to stay at their home. Uh, and uh, they fill the fridge with food. So I don't have to worry about food. <laughs> honestly i I don't eat much i tell them just give me little things don't don't overdo it because it will it will stay in the fridge right so yeah we don't go for luxury you know the Mm -hmm. the resources that god is giving us is not for us right i i don't want to fly first class and business class if if there is a fourth class i would go for it cheapest seats in the economy 
and the same for myself. I was saying we, we need to be responsible for the and good stewards for the resources God is giving us. And I was going to ask you, do your siblings still live there? All of your siblings still live there? Okay. Well, I have my three brothers who has, who has gone to be with the Lord. I have only one sister who lives in Lebanon. Oh. And I have another sister who lives in Romania. She's married and she's there. So uh, they're both Christians too, right? My only two sisters. I'm so grateful that they are because in the midst of difficulties, they see the Lord. The Lord's hand is at hand for them. Amen. Yeah, thank you. John, why is it important to help refugees and not just only help the people that, like, for example, here in America, we sometimes have the mentality, well, let's just help our own people. Let's help the people who are here. I hear that a lot. I, I fully understand what you are saying. And not to say I, I'm not in agreement with that. Yeah, well, I am not in agreement with that either. And, you know, we, I mean, the Bible says that we were refugees in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And these refugees are refugees temporary. I pray that they will go back to their land. But again, the chance to reach out to them with eternal values is the key why we press on. I want you to know that we are committed and the Lord knows that we are committed. And that's what matters for me. God knows our hearts mm-hmm. and we want to do it. We want to be co-laborers in the ministry of our Lord. We are co-laborers in the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Are we only nominal or are we doing it? Mm-hmm. We need to do it. Mm-hmm. And I encourage every hearer, every person who, are, who is listening to me, to be a co-laborer in the ministry of our Lord in any way God will call him to, even to be a witness. Look at the opportunities we have. We have opportunities every day. I don't have to go to Lebanon to witness, okay? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I have opportunities at every step of the journey to be a witness for Christ. And I, that's what I'd like to do. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Absolutely. And we Absolutely. can consider the refugees in Lebanon yes. our neighbors. Yes. And what's the true religion? True religion is to care for the orphans mm-hmm. and the widows and the po- and right. the people in need. I was hungry, you fed me. Right. I was sick, you, you came and visited with mm-hmm. me. Uh, I was homeless, you gave me shelter. That's, that's the teaching of our Lord. Exactly. And if we are true followers of Christ, we need to follow in his steps. Amen. And would Jesus really say, well, I can only help you because you live here, but I can't help you because you live over there? Would he say that? No. He wouldn't. I know he wouldn't. Jesus is, is for everybody. Exactly. He loves all people. Yes. Exactly. Every even those who are not person. who are not convinced yet. He exactly. Loves he, he loves the unsaved. Opportunities. Mm-hmm. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Okay. Yes. If they are our enemies, we need to love them. How much more if they are hopeless? They have no chances for anything. Can't we? Mm-hmm. Don't we have to be with them and support them? Yes, we need to. Amen. 
And we were once lost too and unsaved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so he loves the unsaved, just yes. like he loves the saved. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. And we amen, need to amen. pray for them. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much, John, mm -hmm. for being on mm -hmm. Faith City Outreach. This, Thank you. I mean, you've, you've given me so much information about Lebanon that I didn't even know. And <laughs> um, I thank you for that. And you need to I, come one day to visit. <laughs> yes, if it's the Lord's will, yes, I will. <laughs> That's going to be a very challenging one. I'm not yeah. going to say that. And I'm it will open your eyes. Home. You will I'm see sure. something that you have not seen. Believe oh. me. I'm, I'm sure it will open anybody's eyes. I mean, just mm -hmm. even reading about it, I'm mm -hmm. just in awe. And, and I just can't even imagine what it would be to witness it and see it. Mm -hmm seeing the traumas and the struggles. Yes. And yes. I really appreciate the, um, I really appreciate the pictures that you have on your website too, of all the children mm. that you took pictures of and that you help. They were just so, um, they're so beautiful. They're beautiful faces. And I um, was really touched by that. And also mentioning the women, how your uh, ministry also supports mothers and empowers women. That is uh, good to hear because you always hear the negative. You hear that yes. Um, yes. Yeah, ministries that are in Lebanon because your ministry is also in Lebanon, right? Yes. Not yes. only is yes. it here, but it's also yes. in Lebanon. Yes. You hear you hear the ministries in the Middle East and you always hear the negative. You hear that they don't support women. And so it's, it's very comforting to know that yes. your ministry does. Well, so they need, they deserve to be helped. I mean, it's not Absolutely. a favor. We're not doing favor. It's our obligation. It's our responsibility. Absolutely. We can stand with those who are less fortunate. We need to stand with them and help them to improve. Amen. I'm so grateful for the income generating projects that we support. Women who have who are generating some income to help their families, they're not dependent on us. Mm -hmm. And that's key. That's very key in our Amen. ministry. And uh, just wanted you to know that here in the US, we don't serve in the US. We serve in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. I wish we could. Mm -hmm. I wish we could go to Haiti during this time of earthquake where mm -hmm. thousands of houses have been destroyed. I wish we can go to Afghanistan to stand with those who are running away from where they are. I mean, there are tragedies throughout the world, but we have to focus on certain areas so we can make an impact on people's life. I don't want to spread myself thin. Mm -hmm. I, want to, I want to do whatever I can to improve the status of the people in the nations that we are serving. Amen. And that's the ministry the Lord gave you and you're being obedient to it. Yes. So, yes, yes. So we, I appreciate that. And I'm sure yes. our listeners will appreciate that. My question is though, how can we help? Well, Where do we go? What's your I want website you... address? I'm sorry, say that again. What's your website address? Well, I have sent it for you. Okay, it's, but can you mention it? 
It's www.wamcares.org. <laughs> Wamcares.org. What I wanted to say is even if you are logging on the website, if you, if you mention Witness as Ministry, our website will come up. Okay. Witness right. as ministry. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for being on Faith City Outreach to share about this wonderful ministry that the Lord has given you. Well, thank you very much. I'm so grateful. And you asked me how we can how we can help. Well, first of all, I'd like to say if you can recruit prayers for our ministry, that's key for us because we survive on prayers. Then if God leads them to donate, we can provide for them receipts for the tax deduction because we are, as I said, legally established here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have my address. My address is in uh, the signature block of my message. And even, you know, on the website, you have the address of our nonprofit. So you have all the details to share if you wish to share with us. And above all, please invite people to pray for us. Yes. Thank you so much, John. Thank and you. I was Thank wondering you. if you could just end in a very short prayer. Sure, sure. Baba Father, we are in your presence and we thank you for this time, Lord. I keep my eyes always on you, Lord. With you at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Baba Father, be our portion, be our supporter. Help us to be your ambassadors to help people come to know you, Father. We thank you. We thank you for this radio station that can be heard by many people. And we pray for the listeners, Father, as well. Thank you for for Sister Marina and her giving me the time to be on this radio station interview. Accept our thanks, Father, in the precious, precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Join us next time as Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. All music is courtesy of zapsplat.com, and our thanks goes out to Four Winds Ministries in Arizona for partnering with Faith City Outreach. If you'd like to support this ministry, just go to fcoprogram.com and click the donate button. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day.